Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is from the Gospel lesson just read, especially these words. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Thus far, our text. Dear friends in Christ, it is still the season of Advent, even though... Instead of a blue candle, we have lit a pink candle, a candle that reminds us of the joy of the season. And in Advent, we're still watching for Christ, still looking for his arrival, for his coming. He's still drawing ever nearer, so get ready, lift up your heads, wait, watch. Look, he'll be here soon. Watch for what? Look around where? To what do we affix our eyes as we await his coming? Where do we look during this Advent season? What do we watch for? What is it that fills our time during the season of Advent that displays our watchfulness? This sinful and dying world knows where it wants you to look. This sinful and dying world knows how it wants you to spend your time. The sinful and dying world knows what should fill your advent. And it's shopping. Shopping for Christmas gifts. After all, you need to get Christmas gifts for all of your family and friends. And they need to be nice ones, too, so we keep our economy roaring. Get out there and get shopping, the world says. Buy the best electronics or clothes or gadgets, no matter how frivolous they might be. And if you buy those gadgets and those gifts, then your family will understand that you really, truly do love them. And as an added perk, your favorite outlet store will stay in business for another year. And speaking of family, this dying and sinful world also wants you to know that family is what Christmas is all about. Spending time with family, even if they drive you crazy, even if they live on the other side of the country with a blizzard between you and them. Sure, great uncle Mortimer might talk about politics all the time, and sister Susie's kids might be completely out of control. But you need to eat that Christmas ham with them if you're going to fulfill what Advent and Christmas is all about. Spending time with family. We call that Christmas spirit, right? 
There's countless movies all about that idea. It's not just Christmas ham that you need to prepare for that family gathering. This sinful and dying world also wants you to know that you need to get all the Christmas cookies ready also. And they need to be nicely decorated. Sugared, covered Christmas trees, little wooden nutcracker cookies that are designed to look like the real thing. You need to dip pretzels in chocolate with red and green sprinkles. You need to bake perfect pumpkin pies. Maybe even try sugar plums and fresh roasted chestnuts. That's what Christmas is all about. And as for weather, it better snow. This sinful and dying world wants you to know that it's really not Christmas unless it's a white Christmas with feet of snow outside the window. It's what we hear on the radio from Bing Crosby and all the others. And you need to get out your red and green ugly sweaters so that you have something to wear while you enjoy the marshmallow world outside. And there needs to be silver and gold decorations on every Christmas tree. Needs to be reindeer, talking snowmen, elves, and all the rest. What do you watch for? What's the sign that it's Advent, that it's Christmas? This sinful, dying world tries to sell you a picture. The Norman Rockwell version. The Martha Stewart version of Christmas. The trouble is, is that after this sinful and dying world has built up all of these images of what Christmas should be, with all the sparkles and all the catchy cliche songs and all the societal pleasures and pressure, when we look at what Christmas is for our family and for us, and we compare it to what Martha Stewart's put in her magazine or Norman Rockwell has painted, we realize we're nowhere close. Our cookies don't look as nice as the ones seen in the cookbook. Our neighbors' Christmas lights are better on their house than ours. Their Christmas tree more finely decorated. And the world goes on and says, I can't even have candy canes any longer because they might remind someone of Jesus. You can't wish people a merry white Christmas because it's not about snow anymore, but ethnicity. 
The poinsettias die. The pine needles fall off the tree, get stuck in the carpet. We get so tired of hearing the world's favorite secular Christmas hymn, Last Christmas. We feel like if we hear it one more time, we'll probably rip the radio out of the car and throw it on the side of the road. Watch. Look. And repent. Repent, dear Christian, because all of this stuff that the sinful, dying world throws at you this time of the year is a lie. It's nothing more than idolatry. Making a false god out of 1950s Christmas. Taking your focus off the most important part of this season, Jesus. And placing your vision, your eyes, your mood, your family, your life on anything else that they might be able to sell you. Repent. Do not let the world sell you its version of a Christless Advent and Christmas season. That brings us to our gospel lesson for this morning, in which St. John the Baptist understands the idolatry that so many of us have and bids us to repent. In our gospel lesson for today, he is in prison, a place where the desires of this world mean nothing to anyone any longer. John is soon to be beheaded for speaking the truth about a jealous adulterer. His disciples don't know what to do. They don't know where to look or how to proceed with John in prison. They go and they ask him what to do. And John plays the part of the faithful pastor. He will not let their eyes be focused anywhere else except for Jesus. He sends them. He says, go, find Jesus and ask him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? St. John sends them to see who Jesus is by what Jesus does and what Jesus says. Now, don't worry, John doesn't doubt he has faith in Christ. He knows who Christ is and has since he leapt in the womb upon meeting Christ the first time. He sends his disciples to ask Jesus if he is the one, not for his own sake, but for the sake of those disciples, so they might also have faith, so that they might have their eyes fixed on Christ, so that they might understand the reality of how God saves his people from this sinful, dying world. 
He preaches a word. A word that points to Jesus. And when they get to Jesus, Jesus continues to point them to himself, saying, Look at all that I'm doing. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk again, lepers who are cleansed, and the deaf hearing. And if that's not enough, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Jesus, by what he says and what he does, proves to them that he is the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord God in human flesh, who has come to rescue sinners from their sin, who's come to give an alternative to this sinful, dying world. St. John the Baptist, being a faithful pastor, even from a prison cell, wants his disciples and friends and you to have eyes that look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Dear Christian, God wants that for you. He wants you to ignore the world and to look to Jesus. He really truly does. That's why he sent pastors here to you. That's why he sent a vicar here to you to preach God's word so that you might not look to Moline or Poppy or Bader, but instead to Jesus. He pours his word into your ear so that you might not be caught up in all that this sinful, dying world has to offer, but instead might look to the world that is to come, that is perfect, in which you will live forever. God delivers his sacraments so that you might not be caught up in the trappings of this season, but instead might always remember Christ. That's why at church, the content of every sermon should be Jesus, crucified and risen to take away the sin of the world. That's why pastors ought to be in your eyes replaceable, so long as they preach and teach the truth of God's Word. The focus of this season ought to be Jesus, His incarnation, His taking on our flesh so that He might die and rise again and grant us eternal life. That's what Advent is all about, Charlie Brown. Pastors shouldn't toot their own horn, but point to Christ. We must decrease, he must increase. Just as faithful St. John the Baptist himself said.
You see, it's only Jesus, crucified and risen, that matters. Nothing else is important. That's why Christ came in the first place. That's why he was a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger so that later he might be stripped of those clothes and nailed to a cross and killed to take away your sin, to remove your guilt, to give you a good conscience before God and before your neighbor. His blood was outpoured for your weakness, for your sin. The baby we watch and wait for was killed by this sinful and dying world, but death had no hold over him. He rose and is alive even now, as one day you too shall be. And with our eyes fixed on Jesus, with our ears filled with his word, we remember what he said. Blessed is the one who is not offended because of me. That means we're free. Free to sing this Advent and Christmas season along with whatever song comes on the radio, free to sing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Free to laugh and smile and enjoy time with family, even those who bother us. We're free to decorate cookies that look like trees and tin soldiers. We're free to buy gifts for those whom we love. We're free to unwrap them and smile. We're free because of the greatest gift of all, Jesus. It's to him we look. The rest is all just gravy. We're free because his blood set us free. We're free to enjoy Christmas because Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, because St. John points us to him and to nothing else for our salvation, because he really is the reason for this Advent and Christmas season. In the name of Jesus, amen. And now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.